Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down what I believe is the number one draft strategy in 2022 fantasy football by each position. So I did a series on this channel called Who is the Next League Winning Running Back, Quarterback, Wide Receiver, Tight End? And in this video, what I'm going to do is break down the strategy at each position based on the findings of those videos. So if you guys want to check out those videos for more in-depth look at each position, they'll all be linked down below. But so in today's video, I'm going to break down my exact strategy in fantasy drafts this year through the early rounds, through the mid rounds, through the late rounds. And if any of my league mates are listening to this, yes, I'm talking to you guys. You aren't slick getting my strategy. I'm still going to beat your ass anyways. And that trophy ain't going nowhere. So if you guys get some value from this video, as always, hammer the like button. Really appreciate it this time of year. There's a big time uh, growth period for us. So if you if you enjoy the video, hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. I know August brings a ton of new listeners. So uh, stick around here with FSE from now until the end of the season. I promise we'll give you everything that you need to win some hardware. So without further ado, let's hit the intro. Okay, so we're going to go position by position, break down the strategy, and then at the end, I'm going to do a mock draft, as I mentioned, if you guys skipped the intro. So nowhere else to start than the running back position, because the running back position is literally the position where all draft strategies are centered around. We have the zero RB, the hero RB, the double hero RB, the robust RB, all that kind of stuff centers around the running back position because they're the most important fantasy position that there is. My strategy at this position is simple. I only draft them early. If they have an elite ceiling, which means 20 plus PPR points per game. And in those league winner videos, I broke that down who has that elite ceiling and all that kind of stuff. And I'll also talk about those targets when I'm doing the mock draft. But the number of running backs with elite ceilings, in my opinion, is far less than what the fantasy community would tell you and what ADP will tell you, because there is not that many running backs that I target early on in drafts than a lot of people do. And the reason we only want to target high ceiling running backs is because of this principle. Number one, running backs get injured more than wide receivers and quarterbacks and tight ends. As you guys can see on the screen, the average games missed of the top 20 running backs in ADP the previous summer is 3.26 games for the running back position since the year 2015, 1.86 games missed for the wide receiver position since 2015, and I believe it's probably even less for quarterbacks and for tight ends. So on top of all these averages, we had 4.1 out of 20 running backs, so about 20%, suffer injuries that caused them to miss six or more games. So serious injuries that probably ended their seasons versus 2.5 out of 20 wide receivers per season that caused them to miss serious time with injury. So by every angle, whether it's serious injuries, whether it's ticky-tack injuries, wide receivers stay healthier than running backs. So if you want to play it safe in your drafts early on, don't take the running back that you think is safe, like Nick Chubb or whatever running back you think is safe. Just draft a similarly ranked wide receiver because he is much safer inherently because he doesn't get injured as much. So 
running backs also are heavily inflated in fantasy because we know that the elite ones like Christian McCaffrey in 2019, Jonathan Taylor this past year, can single-handedly win you a league or raise your win rate you know, 20-30% over your league mates. Therefore, they also bust more because a lot of people are chasing that running back and it's pushing running backs up the board in general. So I pulled best ball win rate data since 2015 to illustrate my point here and about one out of every three running backs busted. And what this table means, if you guys are unfamiliar with why I'm using 8.33%, the number of running backs with win rates above 8.33% means that their win rate was better than one out of 12 in a standard 12 man league. By you know nature, you have a 1 in 12 chance of winning. So if the running back is providing you with better than a 1 in 12 chance of winning, I would consider that a hit. And some of the guys that did that this year, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, guys like that. So um, the average win rate of those running backs was 34.65%, about one in every three running backs that you're drafting. And the wide receiver position, as you could probably guess, yielded better results than that. About one out of every two wide receivers hit 50.25% of wide receivers were giving you an 8.33% win rate or higher of the, the top 50 overall picks in ADP. So the other thing that we want to be cognizant of in drafts, not that was kind of like the early round strategy portion. We also want to avoid the running back dead zone at this position. And what the running back dead zone is, it refers to rounds three to seven of fantasy drafts in ADP, where a ton of running back question marks are going to go. So maybe it's running backs like Mike Davis last year that are, are not that talented, but we can project for a lot of volume. Maybe it's a, an injured running back like, you know, J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers this year. Maybe it's guys who were unsure about their workload, like maybe a Travis Etienne this year. This area of the draft produced similar results. Win rate tables for dead zone running backs, as you guys can see on the screen, 35% win rate during this area of the draft. And keep in mind, too, to get a high win rate in this area of the draft, they don't have to be as good as the early round guys as well. They could just be, you know, a 15 point per game type of running back, and that would get them above 8.33%. And a similar theme, again, played out at wide receiver. In the running back dead zone, rounds three through seven, you're much better off drafting wide receivers. 48% win rate for the wide receivers drafted in that area of the draft. So the ultimate strategy that I'm going to hammer home here is that you want to attack high upside running backs only early on in the draft. So the key is only if running backs with elite ceilings fall. Just because I say, you know, get running backs early doesn't mean I'm saying draft any running back that's on the board. If Jamar Chase falls to you at nine overall, take Jamar Chase. If Devontae Adams falls to you at 12th overall and there's no good running backs on the board right now, take Devontae Adams. So for the early rounds, you want to take best player available in the first three rounds. And if you can, get two stabs at an elite running back in a double hero RB build, get one stab at an elite running back in a hero RB build, or if none fall to you, then you just go with a zero RB build. But the key is whatever happens in the early rounds, you want to avoid the running back dead zone. And even if you don't draft a running back in rounds one, two, or three, you want to avoid that running back dead zone. Don't draft a running back four, five, six, seven rounds and just stack up at wide receiver, stack up at tight end and quarterback if you need to as well, and draft a bunch of running backs late and filter out that production during the season. So that was how you handle the running back position. I touched a lot on how to handle wide receivers during that, but in the wide receiver position, basically what you want to be doing is hammering them during the running back dead zone. So rounds three to seven, you want to hammer the wide receiver position and how many you want to hammer really depends on your league format. Because if you only have you know two wide receiver spots and one flex, then you can only start up to three wide receivers. So you don't need to hammer you know five straight wide receivers from rounds three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. But if you have in my league format, uh, as I'm going to kind of explain here, 
we have three wide receivers and two flex spots. So you could start up to five wide receivers. So in that type of league format, you can be like, I, I think you should probably be about six deep at wide receiver by round nine, by round 10. And that gives you plenty of room to deviate for a couple running backs, maybe an uh, elite tight end or an elite quarterback as well. And speaking of the elite tight ends and the elite quarterbacks, this is how I'm handling them in drafts, in the early rounds and in the mid rounds. I'm going to start with tight end because I am typically not one to draft an elite tight end. The reason being is that the market is much more aware and much sharper on how big the advantage can be of having a Travis Kelsey on your team or having, uh, you know, years past Rob Gronkowski on your team. And therefore they go high in the draft. Travis Kelsey is an early second round pick. Mark Andrews, a mid second round pick Kyle Pitts, who's a great breakout candidate tight end mid third round pick. There's not much room for smashing that pick out of the park, right? You could hit on that pick and you could have a, an elite positional advantage at tight end, but it's very rare at tight end that you get more than like 16 to 18 PPR points per game at an absolute ceiling. So for me, I would rather take stabs at elite running backs or elite wide receivers who can produce a 20 plus PPR point per game because the goal of fantasy is to score more points than your opponent. So it doesn't matter that you have an elite tight end and he gives you 17 points per game and your RB2 is giving you 12 points per game, if your opponent has a 20-point-per-game running back and a 12-point-per-game tight end, they're going to beat you because their whole team combined is going to outscore your team. So that doesn't really matter, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a little overblown how much the positional advantage is. It definitely matters, but I don't think it matters to the point that they get pushed up the board. So the elite guys I'm not really in on, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, and even George Kittle to some extent because he has some concerns. The only one that I actually really like is Darren Waller. His 40th overall price tag is probably fair, but sometimes he even falls further uh, near the 50s because of, you know, Devontae Adams coming to town. It gets a little bit narrative-y. So at that point, I'll take the stab on Darren Waller, but the tier of tight ends that I'm really targeting is tight end 6 to 13 or so. And I think more so than any other year, Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Zach Ertz, Dawson Knox, Hunter Henry types, these are the guys going in that range. They have more of a case to ascend to like a 14 to 16 point per game tight end in the middle rounds than any other year of tight ends. Obviously, they're not going to have the same ceiling as a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey, but they have good ceilings in my opinion. So I'm sacrificing that elite production by not drafting you know, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey like some of my opponents might have. But the way I look at it is I'd rather have Javante Williams in round two instead of Mark Andrews and then Dallas Goddard in round seven or eight then draft Ramondre Stevenson or Tony Pollard or something in round seven or eight and have, you know, Javante Williams and Dallas Goddard versus Mark Andrews and Ramondre Stevenson. I think that team com uh, construction is stronger uh, the way that I have it kind of set out. So that's how I'm handling the tight end position. The middle rounds is where I'm targeting the tight ends. And the good news for the tight end position is that there's plenty of drop-offs, you know, in the round five range at wide receiver. Obviously, the RB dead zone is there. So you have room to be able to deviate from drafting wide receivers and drafting, you know, other positions to go after a middle round tight end like Dalton Schultz in round six or Dallas Goddard in round seven or eight or TJ Hawkinson in round nine, whatever tight end that you actually want to target. This isn't necessarily a micro player takes video. So Finally, my quarterback strategy is this. Similar to the tight end position, I'm avoiding the first tier of elite quarterbacks. And the reason I'm avoiding Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert is mainly due to the fact that I actually have the rushing quarterbacks ranked higher. And if you're in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league, that might change a little bit. But I would rather have Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts than Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I would still rather have Josh Allen QB1. 
But for the most part, I like to target that tier of quarterback because they go later than the other guys. So to deviate from hammering wide receivers in the mid rounds, let's say, you know, I started my draft with two running backs and I got two wide receivers in rounds three and four. And at the end of the fifth round, Lamar Jackson's on the board. I'm totally cool deviating away from hammering wide receivers for one round to draft Lamar Jackson rather than draft an elite tight end or something like that. So typically when I'm faced with the decision, do I draft an elite tight end or do I draft an elite quarterback? I usually go with elite quarterback because I think Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts have much higher point output seasons and value above replacement seasons in their range of outcomes than some of the tight ends that we're going to talk about as well. So if I miss out on those guys that that Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts tier, I'm usually targeting the next tier of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, um, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, or Trey Lance. And now if you're wondering why I haven't said I just you know punt quarterback and I draft them in the late rounds, if you're new around here, the reason I don't subscribe to the late round quarterback strategy anymore is because ADP has gotten very sharp on quarterbacks. A lot of people... Um, used to draft late round quarterbacks when there was plenty of high upside options available and people would draft quarterbacks really early. But now we've kind of gone in the other direction where people let elite quarterbacks fall and they still think that late round quarterback is viable, even though the only quarterbacks that you can get late are very safe options like Derek Carr's or Tua Tungavailoa's or whatever the case is. So last year, every quarterback that finished in the top 12 in points per game was drafted inside the top 15 quarterbacks in ADP. So we're getting very good at predicting which quarterbacks will be good. And in the league winning quarterbacks video, I broke down like these are the elite quarterbacks for a reason. They all have the easiest projections and gone are the days when you can get elite Konami code quarterbacks like Dak Prescott in 2019 or Lamar Jackson in 2019. Those guys were drafted in like the 11th, 12th round. That shit doesn't happen anymore. If that was the case, then Trey Lance would be like a 14th round pick, but we know he has high rushing upside. Jalen Hurts last year would have been like a 12th round pick but we knew he had high rushing upside and therefore those guys are drafted accordingly. So for me, I like to secure a quarterback before round 10. And the nice thing too, is that most people do subscribe to late round quarterbacks still. So the elite upside quarterbacks tend to fall. And like I said, usually the value pockets for me are rounds five to six when Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray falls. Or if I miss out on those guys, usually Joe Burrow goes shortly after them. So I'm usually targeting a guy like Tom Brady in round eight, round nine, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford or Trey Lance in round nine, round 10. So typically those are the guys that I am going after. Now, what we're going to do, as I mentioned at the beginning of the video, is we're going to head into a mock draft to show you guys a real life example of how this plays out. Okay, so now we're in the mock draft. As I uh, talked about, I'm going to be doing this based on my own draft settings because I'm you know, trying to get practice for my own home league, just like every one of you guys is. As you guys can see there, one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, two flex in a half PPR setting. And we're going to update this. This is the draft settings I'm going to be drafting with. Again, make sure you guys know your league, know what your draft settings are, and know how you need to adjust accordingly. So what we're going to do is I'm going to be drafting from the 11 spot, which is where I'm drafting in my home league. As we get throughout the offseason, I think a week or two from now, we did a set of three videos last year where we talked about the ideal pick strategy from picks one to four, from us five to eight, and also from nine to 12. So if you guys are picking in a different area of the draft, don't worry, we'll have you covered in about a week or two. We'll be doing this basically this exact same video, except for all of the positions in the draft specific to those draft slots. So we're going to start the draft here. As I kind of talked about, we're going to see what happens. We have no, we're not married to anything. We're not trying to go, you know, zero RB or hero RB or double hero RB. We're simply going to let the board fall to us in the early portion of the draft and then adjust our strategy accordingly. So for some reason, Derrick Henry went 101. Doesn't really matter because he eventually probably would have been off the board 
anyway by the time we get to my picks. So as you guys can see, a bunch of running backs go off the board. I imagine most of your guys' home leagues will have a lot of running backs go off the board early on in the draft. So for me, my highest rated running back here is Saquon Barkley. My highest rated wide receiver is Devontae Adams. Knowing that I can probably get Saquon Barkley in the second round, I'm going to take Devontae Adams here and see if Barkley falls back to me. He did fall back to me. So I have started my draft now with Devontae Adams and Saquon Barkley. I got one running back and one wide receiver. I believe Saquon Barkley has an elite wide receiver upside ceiling case this year. And Devontae Adams, similarly at wide receiver, has you know a 20 plus point per game ceiling as we saw from him just last year. So um, looking at the board, you guys can see uh, Josh Allen goes off the board, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, a lot of onesies going off the board here, a lot of running backs, a lot of wide receivers. Hopefully we get a great wide receiver that falls to us here at the end of the third round. And uh, so looking at the board right now, Michael Pittman is my highest rated wide receiver. Uh, Cam Akers is my highest rated running back. So um, when it comes to like the RB dead zone area, there is deviations that people are going to make, right? Some people like some of the running backs in the RB dead zone. That's natural. That's going to happen. For me, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, and uh, J.K. Dobbins pending his health during the preseason are three of the running backs that I'm willing to deviate in in the RB dead zone because I believe in those guys. I think they have high ceilings. I think Michael Pittman will fall back to me. So what I'm going to do here is take Cam Akers on the board. I've started my draft off with two running backs that I believe have high, high ceilings. Unfortunately, Michael Pittman did not fall back to me, who I would have loved to get at this pick here. Um, Deontay Johnson, I believe, is my highest rated wide receiver. Yeah, he's my highest rated wide receiver. So I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. Now we get to the portion of the draft. I got a double hero RB start. I got two running backs in the first three rounds that I believe have high, high ceilings. Cam Akers playing in a great offense. Saquon Barkley getting an elite workload, now finally healthy. We see a lot of uh, you know players go off the board. It looks like all of the elite tight ends are gone. George Kittle and Darren Waller off the board. Um, some of the quarterbacks are starting to filter out now as well. We see Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow go. Um, some of the other elite quarterbacks are still on the board. Like I said before, I really do like deviating away from wide receivers in this rounds three through seven area for one of Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. This guy uh, ahead of me does not have, he's building out like a zero RB right now. He does not have a quarterback yet. So there's a risk that he's going to take one, but I'm cool with either Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray. So I'm going to probably just take a wide receiver here. Um, I'm going to, I have a lot of guys rated similarly in this area of the draft. Marquise Brown, Allen Robinson, and Michael Thomas are all rated very, very similar uh, for me right now. I'm going to go with Allen Robinson because I believe he is my highest rated guy. Marquise Brown goes off the board. Um, I still have, you know, another wide receiver available. This is tough, man, because I, I could go with, um, you know, with an, a Michael Thomas here and, uh, and just skip over the quarterback position. But like I said, I really, really do like these quarterbacks getting one of these elite dudes. So I'm going to go with Kyler Murray here and hopefully I'm able to still get some great wide receivers at the seven, eight turn. Um, as you guys can see, I have built out uh, three wide receiver build. So in this league format, you can start two running backs, three wide receivers and two flexes. So I've built out my quarterback spot, my two running back spots and my three wide receiver spots. Now I'm in danger a little bit of not being heavy enough on wide receiver in these middle rounds. And of course, Elijah Moore gets sniped one pick ahead of me. I'm going to grab a uh, Devonte Smith here as my next wide receiver. He'll be my first flex option at running back. Tony Pollard's interesting. I suppose um, a guy that I could definitely deviate for Dallas Goddard still on the board at tight end. Uh, I really love him this year. Um, I already have Devontae Smith, but I'm not too, too concerned about that. My highest rated wide receiver currently on the board is Brandon Ayuk. So I'm going to go with him. So I've built out, uh, you know, five wide receivers before round nine. That's typically what you want to do. Hopefully uh, a tight end falls to me at some point. So I don't have, you know, nothing at that position, but I really like the way that this draft is shaking out so far. I have three great wide receivers to start 
um, every week. And then Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk are solid flex pieces for me. Two running backs that I believe have elite, elite ceilings, and then a quarterback that's going to be a, a positional advantage for me there. So um, looking at the board, Zach Ertz is a guy that I really love. I also have Kyler Murray too, so that kind of makes some sense there. Um, does this guy have a tight end? He already has George Kittle, so I hope he doesn't take Zach Ertz because I kind of want to go with Kadarius Toney here. Instead, get one more wide receiver to mix into my flex position. So I'm going to grab Kadarius Tony here. Hopefully, this guy doesn't take Zach Ertz. Why? Okay, why would he take Zach Ertz? He already has George Kittle. Doesn't make any sense. Hopefully, your league mates aren't that stupid. Um, but let's go with Pat Fryermuth here as my main tight end. So I built out basically my entire starting lineup, which really doesn't matter that much, but I really do love building this out. And the one thing that you want to keep in mind, and, and you guys might be wondering why I don't have any other running backs on my roster outside of Barkley and Akers, is because... The way I handle the running back position, if I do a double hero RB, which is what I did here with drafting two running backs in rounds two and three, is I typically skip over the running back position through the dead zone and probably through round like nine to 10 as well, because I want to fill out my quarterback and tight end position before that fall off happens. And I do believe, like I kind of mentioned in the strategy portion, that the elite quarterbacks and the you know tight ends one to uh, 12 or 13 or so are the guys that I want to be starting on a weekly basis. So, all right. So I'm back on the clock here at the 11th pick and, uh, in my 11th round pick here, I could go Daryl Henderson, but I already have cam Akers. I'm not really in the business of handcuffing my own running back. So what I'm probably going to do is target an ambiguous backfield like the Atlanta Falcons grab Tyler Algier here as my uh, pick there. And I'm probably also going to grab another running back here because once you get to the late rounds of the drafts, typically you're better off taking dart throws and swings at ambiguous backfields, handcuffs, guys that could have, you know, pass catching upside or whatever the case is, then you are taking wide receivers like, let's see who's on the board right now, Jarvis Landry's and, you know, Kenny Galladay's and guys like that. If I'm going to target wide receivers later on in the draft, it's probably going to be rookies like a Jahan Dotson or a George Pickens or somebody that actually has, you know, some real upside in that area. So what I'm going to do is grab Kenny Gainwell here and hopefully, uh, you know, one of those rookie wide receivers like Jahan Dotson or something can fall back to me and I can grab one more wide receiver to close out my wide receiver position. I'm still probably going to hammer a couple running backs. Dotson actually went, but uh, I do have, like, again, you got to keep in mind, the reason I wouldn't take a guy like Jarvis Landry or Kenny Galladay is because I already have six wide receivers on my team. And yeah, you could start five every week, and you want to account for bye weeks and stuff, but for the most part, I should have my, my five wide receiver positions set with those guys, and I can also mix in some of these running backs to my flex if need be as well. Um, I'm going to look over the running back position again. There's a couple guys here that are interesting. Mark Ingram could be interesting depending on what happens with Alvin Kamara, but it doesn't look like Kamara is going to get suspended to start the season. So Ingram is probably not a guy that's going to you know last on somebody's roster very long. He'll probably end up on the waiver wire at some point. Um, give me access to a, a good offense. I'll grab Julio Jones here as my final wide receiver. And then at running back, let's see if there's anything left available. There's nothing really at tight end that interests me. I already have Kyler Murray, so I'm not going to look at quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go for like an ambiguous backfield situation. I'm going to grab, actually, no, I'm going to grab a handcuff. I'm going to grab Jamal Williams in case anything were to happen to DeAndre Swift. He's obviously a guy that would be thrust into a pretty decent workload. So, all right, so the draft is now done. You guys can see I've built out basically exactly what I said throughout the video. In the early rounds, I'm looking to attack best player available. I got Devontae Adams, Saquon Barkley, and Cam Akers. To me, those were the best players available. I could have went with Michael Pittman over Cam Akers. That's a pretty close discussion. But I did think that there was a chance Pittman or Deontay would fall back, so I was cool with either of those guys. Whereas at the running back position, I saw a bit of a tier um, gap after Cam Akers, so I went with him there. I wanted to hammer wide receivers in the mid-rounds. That's exactly what I did. You could argue maybe you don't go with Kyler Murray there. You go with Michael Thomas and you settle for like a 
you know, a Tom Brady in the eighth round or something. Uh, is there a big difference between Kyler Murray and Tom Brady? I think so, especially in, um, you know, four point for passing touchdown leagues where you get all that rushing production from Kyler Murray. So again, there's a number of different directions you can go with this, but usually when you get a quarterback that falls to you in the sixth round that has elite potential, I'm going to take that and adjust my strategy accordingly. So because I took Kyler Murray and not Michael Thomas, I went with an extra wide receiver in Kadarius Tony here able to hammer out those wide receivers in the mid rounds. And again, once you get to the late rounds, I highly suggest you aim for running backs than you do wide receivers. Cause you know, taking Devontae Parker's and you know, Jacoby Myers types or whatever is not usually ideal, especially in a league format like this, where you got to start, you can start up to five wide receivers. You want your flex positions and your three wide receiver slots to be better than the rest of your league mates because wide receivers dominate the scoring in this type of format. And I still have a double hero RB to fill out my running back slot and an elite quarterback. So I was able to build out great wide receiver and flex positions, despite having two great running backs and a great quarterback. So if uh, you guys enjoyed this video at any point, as always hit the like button, really appreciate that. If you guys are new around here and you got a lot of value from this, hit the subscribe button as well. Comment down below what your draft strategy is this upcoming summer. Like I said earlier in the video, we will have draft strategy for picks one to four, draft strategy for picks five to eight, and draft strategy for picks nine to 12. For those of you guys that know where you're picking and you want to know exactly what types of players you should be targeting, if a hero RB, a double hero RB, whatever the case is, is best for your draft position, we will have you covered in the next week or two with those videos. Those videos did the best out of any video that we put out last year. So rest assured, we will have those videos again for you next year. So stay tuned for all that kind of stuff. Uh, check out the Patreon if you guys want access to our rankings. You guys can see on the screen right now. To get our rankings for free, Dynasty and Redraft, you can go to underdogfantasy.com and using the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit, you'll get 100% back on whatever you put in. So if you put in 10 bucks, you'll get 20 on the site to play with. You'll get our rankings for free and you can get some much needed practice in for your home league drafts because Underdog Fantasy is the best place to practice for your home league. It's basically a paid mock draft. There's no, you know, in this draft, you saw Derrick Henry go one-on-one. That would never happen on an Underdog draft. It's for real money. Real people are drafting those teams. So you get the best possible practice for your home league drafts coming up this summer. So with that being said, peace out and I'll talk to you soon.